Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. But if you are a guest with us, and even if you are a regular with us today, you're in for a treat. Because this year, our guest speaker for Pastor Appreciation is a good friend of mine that unfortunately, distance and, and, and just the older we get, the less time we have to talk because of all the responsibilities that we have. Um, Ken Height and, and his wife share, Pastor Ken, we go way back. We, uh, as a matter of fact, his wife and I were kind of raised like cousins. And, uh, and then Ken came into our lives when, when we were teenagers. And, uh, and because I was good friends with his wife, she had a crush on him. And, and uh, we had to chase Ken everywhere he went. And uh, he's the reason why I never entered uh, Teen Talent to play the drums in Teen Talent. Because this guy's one of the most phenomenal musicians on the planet. I am not kidding at all. Um, and uh, so 19 years ago, Ken and Cher um, decided they were going to take over a struggling church down in Melbourne. Um, running about 25 people. I thought he had lost his mind until the day that God called me to come here and I understood everything that Ken was feeling. Today, that church that once was running 25 people uh, runs over 1,000 people in multiple locations. They have two locations in Brevard County, and they are making a huge difference, and he has a, a tremendous heart for the lost. Uh, you, those of you that, that have been around here for, for any amount of time, you know that we have a huge heart for the loss. And this year, man, God is doing some amazing things as we are seeing the loss come to know Jesus Christ. Well, this guy has got a heart for the loss. And he, here's what the reason why I wanted to introduce him today is because it's important before he gets up here that you understand the investment that he has made into our church. Before we were a church, before Destiny Community Church had one service, you've heard me tell the stories of how for that summer I traveled around before we launched in September of 2006, and I traveled around to some friends' churches preaching, and they would take up offerings, and I would bring them back, and that's how we launched Destiny Community Church in that student center across the street. Well, this is one of the churches that did that. And at that time, they were not in their, their new building. They've got a beautiful building now, but they were in an, in an old church building and one service. And then in another service, I had to go preach in a movie theater. And so he's been multiple locations for a while. And uh, it, it was a life-giving day for me. They took up an offering, invested into this church, but it goes beyond that. There was also a day when um, there was a young lady in our church that her, her mother was, was in bad shape and in intensive care down in Melbourne, and she called me, and she said, Pastor, do you know any pastors down in that area? I said, I do, I do, and I reached out to Ken, and I said, Ken, I need you to go visit this woman. I said, I've never met her. I just know her daughter that lives in Newberry, but I need you to reach out. Not only did he reach out and go by and pray, he made a connection with this family and ended up becoming so close to this family, and it's Katira Stoner's family, and he became so close to them that he ended up performing the funeral for Katira's mother. That's the heart that this man has. And so I am so thankful that you're here today to hear him give us the word of, the word of God today and feed us. And Ken, we're excited about it. Would you welcome my friend, Pastor Ken Height? Look. What's up, family? How are you guys? Come on, how are you? It's good to see you. Man, there's a thousand things that I want to say, and I'm going to say them over the next three hours. It's going to be awesome. 
I, I love these people. I love them. And, and just by nature of the fact that you are connected with them, it says to me that you recognize in this team what I recognize. And um, I just thank God. It's a total honor to be here. I want to say, because there, I definitely, there's some things I have to say before I preach. <clears throat> but I want to begin by saying this. I'm here to serve you guys. And I just, I want to fit in with you. You've already made me feel like family. Can, I just want to say thank you for that. Uh, I'm here to fit in, not stick out. I just want to melt into you guys. And uh, at the same time, I want to be the most authentic version of myself. Uh, I'd rather you hate the real me than love the fake me. So I just want to, you know, kind of lay that out. Um, I was concerned about how you guys might receive me. I didn't want to freak you all out. And then I was listening to your pastor preach from a couple weeks ago, and I heard him say fart in a sermon. I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I'm totally good. <laughs> totally good. We're going to get along real. This is going to be fine. It's going to be awesome. Um, I could tell you stories. Um, see, the thing is, your pastor's always been taller and bigger and better looking than me, and which means he's always kind of bullied me a little bit, you know? Uh, a few years ago, uh, about 12 years ago, I thought about preaching on the spoils of war as a matter of, you probably use that in a sermon to make fun of me, but uh, my brother and your pastor and I were in a seedy area of town of, I don't even remember what city it was or what township it was, Ruskin, which is like dangerous at three o'clock in the afternoon. So we were, uh, we were there one night, we played basketball until late. And then we always went to this place called Granny's Kitchen. And uh, it was fun. It was a, it was a great night. And we go into a, a little mart or something. And uh, just a little place. Who says mart? Oh my gosh. I've never said that in 43 years of living. Who says mart? We went into 7-Eleven or whatever the heck it was. <laughs> And, uh, and, and uh, when we were coming out, this guy who, you know, he just, he sketched me out a little bit. I was a little scared of this guy. He just looked kind of weird. He just grabs a six pack and says, expletive, expletive, I'm taking this with me. And so I was kind of freaked out. So I go out and get in my car and your pastor, you know, big dude, you know, and my brother decide that they're not worried about it. So they stay in the place. And uh, anyways, I think I said, guys, let's get out of here. There's no spoils in this. And all I heard about, now see, I was the wise one, right? I was so wise. And, uh, but I did hear Pastor Rocky about how you and Jason enjoyed talking about that at some meetings you were at. It's just hilarious. There's so much. Are you still a Spurs fan? No, no, I don't blame you. I understand. It's okay. <laughs> I, uh, I just, there's so many things I could say. Uh, one of the things that I try to do anytime I, I go to preach, I want you to know I'm, I love you guys. I don't even, I don't have to know you a long time and the love of God floods my heart for you. I'm here to serve you. Uh, when I leave here, if you feel educated in some way uh, for your spiritual walk, I'll feel totally happy about that. I, I want you to be encouraged and educated, and, and uh, I just want you to be lifted up and inspired today. Um, one of the things that I do when I go to speak anywhere, I like to listen to what 
their preaching before. And uh, so the Own It series, I loved. And uh, I loved hearing also, I want to say it might have been on Mother's Day that, or the week before Mother's Day, that you were talking about guinea pigs. And how many remember your pastor talking about getting the guinea pigs? I'm just going to say he didn't eat the guinea pig. Man, you did the right thing. I just want to throw that out. That was the right thing. And, uh, but talking about, oh, and you had me, man, just falling on the floor when you were talking, Pastor Andrew, about, uh, about working at Blockbuster. I never rewound anything that I took back to Blockbuster. So I've, I felt your pain. That was me. That, I was the one. And uh, so I was listening to some of the messages and there's a message today that I'd like you to own. A message today that I would like for you to own. If you want to honor your pastor, I think the thing that I'm going to share with you is going to give a platform for that uh, 365 days a year. Because this is incredible, what you're doing today to honor your pastor. Now, the scripture tells us to uh, give double honor to the elders who rule well, especially those who labor in the word and teaching. And, uh, and so, you know, double honor. I said double honor. Everybody yell double honor. Double you honor. didn't yell it. Yell it double honor. double honor. That's better. That's better. Double honor. So whatever would normally be honorable, double that. Think about it. Come on, think about that. Whatever would be normative in the world to give honor to someone, double what that would be. And that's what we want to do for your pastor. So what I want to say is, uh, not only do we want to honor them today, but we want to honor them. Uh, we want to honor them 365 days out of the year. They are a gift. Uh, they, their leadership is a gift. And uh, how many have heard of a guy named Moses? Anybody know of Moses? There's three groups of people in this room. I know it because this is a soul-winning church. Uh, there's strong believers, new believers, and, and non-believers. And so everybody here may not know who Moses is. But Moses was a guy who was leading and the army was fighting and he's got, he's holding his staff out and his arms are tired. He's holding his hands up. His arms are tired and, and two men of God come over and they're holding up his arms. They never touched the anointing. They never touched the staff. He kept it. You know, how hard is that? Can't anybody just walk up and hold their arms up? Can't anybody just walk up and hold out a staff, a rod? Can't anyone do that? And yet they didn't do that because there was a dynamic and special call on Moses that they recognized and they wanted to do everything they could to support what God had called him to accomplish. And that's what you guys are doing. That's what we're doing in this room today. We can't be, even if we tried, we couldn't be the, the lead pastors of this house because this family has been set here by Almighty God to do what they're doing. So with that being said, we want to hold their arms up today and we want to honor what God is doing in them. Let the church just say amen to that. Amen. Today I'm going to talk to you about finding our rhythm 
And we're going to go to Matthew chapter 22, verse 34. By the way, just, just make me feel at home for a second. Uh, we, how many have been watching the NBA playoffs? I'm just curious. Anybody been watching? All right. And you yell for, listen, you don't just yell. You lose your mind when your team starts doing well. So I want us to lose our mind for about 15 seconds over the word of God. So I'm going to say Matthew 22, 34. And I don't care if you want to kick a chair or yell or whoo or whatever it is, but make some some kind of crazy noise when, when we go into the Word. Are you ready? Matthew chapter 22, verse 34. All right, that's good. That's good. Didn't I feel good? I love the Word of God. I love the Bible. Man, the Bible makes me smarter every time I read it, and I got a long way to go, so y'all pray for me. Here we go. Matthew 22, and, and I, by the way, I want to say before I read this text, Pastor Andrew, I apologize. I did not bring my water out here, and, and I, I'm so sorry. Um, the enti- you're, I want to throw this out. Your entire staff is so excellent, absolutely excellent. And uh, the, the worship team, see, I notice stuff. Like I noticed when the guy's playing the organ, it's not Dave, is it Joe who's playing the organ? Joe? Joe playing the organ. When the Leslie kicks in, I know how he, that's incredible, man. The drums, your pastors are excellent at everything. How many, how many know that just kind of makes you sick sometimes? You know what I'm saying? They're just good at everything. The music was excellent. Everything was just, is so incredible. Um, This is a a packed out room and it's exciting uh, to see. Uh, Pastor Andrew is a man of excellence and I appreciate all the kind things you said. And my wife and I prayed nine years for our son. So we know a little bit about that and they'll be here in just a minute as well. But Matthew chapter 22, verse 34, one more time. We're excited, right? All right, when I say the word Pharisees, I just want you to go, boo. Have you ever done that in church? All right, well, here you go. But when the Pharisees, all right, let me say this, they're bad guys, all right? They're not good guys. They're like church people. You do know that you can go to church and not be a Christian. You didn't know that? Okay. Like, you know, there's a difference between church people and Christ followers. America's full of churches, full of church people. Not necessarily Christ followers. These guys are like the quintessential church person. But when the Pharisees do the same thing for the Sadducees too. I don't like these guys either. All right. But when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered themselves together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question testing Jesus. And he said, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law, which is the great commandment? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. In the Old Testament's all your heart, soul, and strength. Jesus says, with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. And this is the great and foremost commandment. And then Jesus says the second, well, he only asked for one, but how many know Jesus will always give you more than enough? He said, the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. How many have ever heard these before? I'm just asking. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. And uh, today we're going to talk about finding your rhythm. Now, I want to throw this out just real fast. I want to... You know what? Did you just put that down there? What? Excuse me. You see how excellent they are? Like, that was so stealthy. Somebody just came down. I almost kicked it. How many know church is weird sometimes? 
Huh? Oh, come on, be real. Come on. How many know church is weird sometimes? How many grew up in a scary church? My church was straight up scary. I'm going to tell you all right now. The craziest things happen. The church I grew up in on the third stanza of the second song every Sunday night, we had this one lady in church that, uh, I mean, as soon as we hit the course, it was, woo! And she was, and if I could go back in time, I'd have so much fun with that. I'd like bring one of my friends from school and sit him down right in front of her. And right before I know she's about to erupt, I'd be like, I'll be right back, bro. And just leave her there. Church can be a weird place. One time I was in an altar and we were praying, Pastor. And uh, as we're praying, uh, the, the guy's name was, no, I can't say it because he could watch this sometime. This guy's praying. And uh, he's got his hands raised and he, the Spirit of the Lord was moving on his heart. And he starts to cry and tears begin to roll down his cheeks. And now, now he starts to actually sob and to wail. Oh, God, Jesus. Oh, he's praying like that. Tears, crocodile tears coming down. Well, his nose started to run. I don't know how to say it. It's not pretty. His nose started running. And that was fine. You know, I'm standing next to him and I'm like, oh, touch him, Jesus. Touch him, Jesus. <laughs> Glory to God. Touch him, Jesus. And there's this woman standing next to him, and she's praying for him. And uh, he continues to pray. And it's one of those services that go on and on and on. How many grew up in a church like that? Like, it's 3 p.m., and you're hungry, and everyone's spiritual, and you're mad about it. And so he's praying. He's praying, and his nose is running. And then the, the worst thing that you could imagine happened uh, he coughed, but he didn't cough out his mouth. Like, by the way, if you're going to cough, cough out your mouth, all right? And as he's praying, he's like, Jesus, <clears throat> but he did it through his nose. Now, look, I'm just going to lay this out. The nastiest snot bubble I've ever seen in my life came right out of his right nostril. Now, it would have been fine if it would have been projectile and left his body, but it went out like this and went, eh, just like that. So now he's sitting there with both hands raised up in the air, Jesus, and there's this thing going like this. It was like a pendulum, y'all. It was scary. Now here's the issue. Here's the issue. It would have been fine. It would have been fine, right, if we would have all had our eyes shut. But, you know, we like to watch what's going on in church. You know what I'm saying? So now there's like 20 of us watching this thing, and we're mesmerized. We're like... Oh my gosh, we are in a trance watching this thing, and it just starts to grow, Pastor. I'm telling you, it's further and further and further. This thing was 18 inches like this, going just like this. And finally, and finally, the lady who was praying for him took a Kleenex and went up just like this underneath. She's like, touch him, Jesus. And she went just like this, eh, eh, and then put it down like that. Come on, that's weird. Church is awesome. Sometimes. Sometimes church is awesome. Sometimes it's not. Okay, yeah, I just didn't know if you got that or not. All right. Church can be a weird place, but I want to talk to you today about the rhythm that we find. Our pace, our meter, the rhythm of the church that will help us honor our pastor and more than anything, honor our Savior and win our community and win this world. You are a local church, but you are also a global church because you're part of a movement that has, uh, has missionaries all over the world. You are not just a local church, you are a global church. Most people serve God to the degree that it's convenient or comfortable or condoning. If it's convenient, it's easy, yeah, I'll serve God. 
If it's, uh, if it's comfortable, yeah, in, in, yeah, okay, if it's comfortable, it's entertaining, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. I'll serve God that way. If it's condoning, hey, anything goes, yeah, I'll serve God that way. That's the way church people serve God. But that flies in the face of what Jesus said when he said, if any man desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And that is the gospel I know that your pastors preach here. God made it, we broke it, Jesus fixed it. And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we are called to serve God. We are called to serve God uh, with every fabric of our being. And one way that we can honor our pastors and our leaders is by doing what Jesus ultimately said. Now, Jesus said of all the commandments, the greatest one is love, your, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, um, I want you to know that that begins with God, not with us. We did not initiate the love relationship we have with God. So when Jesus says the greatest thing you can do is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, I want you to understand that we didn't, it wasn't our idea to begin that relationship. The Bible teaches us that God loved us when we were still dead in our trespasses because our sins don't make us bad. Our sins, just like our works, don't make us good. Our sins caused us to die. And we needed not to be restored, but to be resurrected. Come on, say amen to that if you're with me. And what I want you to understand is that God loved sinners. When you sit in church, you think, oh, God loves me. But God doesn't love you because you're good. God loved you when you weren't good. God loved you when you were dead. So a couple thoughts just to help you understand. When we say love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, I want you to wrap your heart around who it is that you're loving. The Bible doesn't say for God so loved church people that he gave his only begotten son. But the Lord gave his son, listen, for lost people. Come on, lost people, broken people. Uh, uh, people who are waking up this morning with beer and vomit crusted on their ears with a Budweiser t-shirt that's too small. That, God died for them. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? God died for people who aren't here this morning. And I want you to get this, that when we say love God, I want you to know who you're loving. God, you're loving a God who loved you, loved you at your worst. Number one, God loves sinners. If you're taking notes, just start writing some of these things down. But I love this. God doesn't just love sinners. God loves your kind of sinner. That's a strong statement right there. God loves your kind of sinner. God loves you. Do you know that if you're here today and you've never professed faith in Jesus, I want you to know that God loves you right now. Listen, if you never changed anything, God loves you right now. But God loves you too much to keep you where you're at. God loves you to life when he changes you. And then I love this. God loved you first. So when we say that we love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind. We can never feel like, oh, we're good now. We can never feel like, oh, we're super spiritual now. We're heroes of the faith now. No, God loved us first. He started this thing. But listen, God loves you totally immediately. Pastor Rocky mentioned that um, my wife, Sharon, and I, we've been married this year 25 years. What's up with that? Huh? We ain't made it yet, but clap anyways. I'm just saying, it's close. This year, 25 years. 
And the truth is, I wouldn't leave this girl alone. We dated when we were 12, and then she broke up with me. Can you believe that? That's some bull crap. I can't even believe that. Bro, that's terrible. 12 years old, she broke up with me. And then we started dating again when we were 15. We got married at 18. Guess what? We fell in love. But God didn't have to fall in love with you. God loved you totally immediately. Come on, wrap your heart around that. I want you to know that so that when you understand what it means to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, it means something to you. And listen, God doesn't love perfect people. God loves imperfect people. It's an interesting thing that I thought about recently uh, that the, the word says, God says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. God created you to be loved by him. God created you to love him. And, and the truth is, God made us imperfect. Everybody say that. God made me imperfect. Now, you know, God doesn't make things on accident. He's very purposeful. And yet, when he made you, he made you imperfect. And it says, he knew you before he formed you. Well, if he knew you and he knew you would be imperfect, and yet he formed you like that anyhow, that lets me know. It's an indication that God created you to have a need for his love. It's your imperfections that let you know how great his love is for you when you begin to understand it. And then, a circuit happens because God loves you and now you begin to love him back. Now from that comes an overflow of the love of God in your life whereby you are now able to love yourself because you see how much God loves you in spite of your imperfections and now you begin to love other people as well. So we love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, and with all our mind. And we love our neighbor as ourselves. In fact, it looks like this. We love people where they are, right? Me and three people love people where they are. We love people where they are. We love people from where they are. We love people who are willing to change. We love people who are not willing to change. Come on, I know a lot of people like that. We love people who are curious about change. We love people who struggle to change. Come on. Huh? Hey, you let, you let an alcoholic walk to the altar and get saved, everybody shouts. But if six months later he walks to the altar drunk, everybody loses their mind. We love people as they struggle to change. And at the end of the day, we say it like this at Discover Life. We love the hell out of people. Say amen to that. All right? That's our rhythm. You want to find your rhythm? Love is the rhythm. Love is the rhythm of the church. It's the cadence. It's the meter. The love of God working in us. God loves us. We love God back. And now that love overflows in our heart. That's our rhythm. Come on. And then we begin to love all the people that are around us. But this is a total commitment. This is a total commitment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. If you really want to honor your pastors, they have given their entire life to help you latch on to this rhythm. This rhythm that is the rhythm of the church. Loving God and loving people. Literally, your pastors have said, we're going to dedicate our entire life to doing nothing more than loving people where they are. And I just, I just got to double check this uh, because I saw the time when I started and it's been about four minutes, I think. But can you remind me 
what time I'm supposed to, forgive me y'all, because they are excellent, I'm struggling. I got until 1040, is that when it is? Yeah, glory to God. All right, so, and I, it's, it's good because I'm like, I got I'm two minutes into my sermon, so we're going to be fine. All right. <laughs> Love is our rhythm. And listen, this is sad, guys. I grew up in the church, but I don't know that I got that. I'm sorry. I grew up in church. I've asked hundreds of people this question. If you grew up in church, what are the strongest takeaways you have from growing up in church? What are the strongest? Okay, so, okay, you grew up in church. What was the major thing you took away from growing up in church? Or if you've been saved, since you've been saved, what would you say would be the strongest thing that you've learned in the church since you got saved? And now, naturally, at my church, all the Baptist people say, you are eternally secure in Jesus. And all the Pentecostal people say, you need the power of the Holy Ghost. And you got to say it like that too. And uh, all the Presbyterian people, they don't say anything because they're asleep. And all the Nazarene people, they got something else to say. Everybody has their idea and, and they grew up in church and, and they learned different things. And, uh, and, and, and here's, here's the struggle that I have. I asked a bunch of people and they said, uh, well, we should have compassion on the hurting. We're supposed to make disciples. Jesus is the only way to heaven. The Holy Spirit empowers us. It's important to worship God. Uh, one person said, uh, prayer is powerful. Another person says the church is a family. Another person says God's grace is sufficient every day. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on of all kinds of things, all kinds of doctrines, all type of dogmas, all type of ideas, ideologies, plans, visions, missions, all these things, I've asked hundreds and hundreds of God-fearing, spirit-filled, Bible-believing Christians, what did you learn growing up in the church? And I got all these things, and not one person, not one, not one, I've asked bishops, I've asked pastors, I've asked elders, I've asked deacons, I've asked people who grew up in church, I've asked hundreds of people, and not one person has said to me, I grew up in the church and my major takeaway was love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Listen, this is a problem of epic proportion. No one has told me that they got the number one greatest commandment in all of the law and prophets and number two, which is, I'm just asking, if, if we were gonna have a barbecue at my house, and, and I was going to make baked chicken and I got the sesame seeds and I got the barbecue sauce and I got the potato salad. Come on, I'm getting hungry right now. I got the french fries. I got the biscuits. Glory to God. I got the, the ketchup and, the, and, and, and everything that we need for the, for, the, for the barbecue. But I didn't bring any meat. Now what? Boo. Pharisees. <laughs> You know that's a Pharisee barbecue, right? Well, well, guess what? That's what the church is when we have our services and we have our music and we do our stuff and we stay busy, but we fail to love. It's like a barbecue without meat. This is a struggle. And guys, I didn't learn. You know what? I remember being six years old in church on a Wednesday night seeing a movie about people who didn't take the mark of the beast, missed the rapture, and got their heads chopped off to go to heaven. I ran to the altar and cried for 30 minutes and walked back to my seat of center. Why? Because I got scared, but I didn't get saved. Fear does that. But perfect love casts out fear. And guys, I'm telling you, it... 
this is a problem. It's a problem of epic proportion because if we're going to reach people, if we're going to love God the way we're supposed to, then we're going to have to do it with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind. And that's where the natural overflow, there's a circuit that happens. A light comes on. We recognize God loved us in spite of us and he loved us immediately, totally. And now we begin to love others. You want to honor your pastors today. I'm telling you, one of the greatest things you can do to honor your pastors is to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, this is literally how the world will know that you are my disciples. This is the proof that you are authentic followers of Christ when we love one another. Let me tell you something. Remember that dude that I talked to y'all about with the big old snot booger thing that, uh, yeah, that guy, that woman who took the Kleenex, there's 20 of us watching. None of us love that dude, but she did. She loved him. She helped him. I, I still think that's weird. And I wouldn't do it today if it happened today to somebody. I'm just going to throw that out real fast. We got to love people. It would be a struggle for me. Love is to Christianity what a kick drum is at an EDM concert. Mm, mm. Mm, come on, soap suds fall from the ceiling. You got everybody jumping, and, and, and y'all have never been to an EDM concert. Never mind. So love moves people. And see, Paul said, I could speak with the tongues of men and the tongues of angels, but if I don't have love, I would only be a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. Uh, he said, if I had to give to prophecy, and I understood, understood all of God's secret plans, and if, 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 I, if I understood all of God's, and I possessed all knowledge, but I didn't have love, if I had faith to move mountains, but I didn't have love, I would be nothing. And now, over the years, I, I have to ask myself, you know, questions and things that we've learned. And um, I have to ask myself, in all our knowledge, with all of our doctrines and with all of our thoughts, how bad are we missing the point if we fail to love the one who loved us when we were unlovable with all our heart, soul, and mind and love our neighbor as ourself? Now, here's what we want to do. If you want to honor God, if you want to honor your pastors and God sent them, We're going we're gonna to make a decision today that we're going to love this community. I guarantee you what I know about you guys. You are an excellent people. And God is using you in a very profound way to reach this region. You're already well on your way doing this. Loving people where they are. Somebody said, well, Pastor Ken, how much more is our church going to grow? And I said, well, which one of your grandchildren would you sacrifice? Come on, which of your neighbors are you willing to quit loving? We want to make room for everybody we possibly can to come and hear this message that God loves them. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. By this, we know that we've come to know him if we keep his commandments. And isn't it interesting? If I were to go around this room and I were to ask everybody, what did you learn growing up in church? We've got all kinds of rules and all kinds of thoughts, and yet... And yet, they're rule like number 3,425 or rule number, things that may not even be scriptural. We just made them up and uh, we throw them out there and we live by these rules that are, they're not just secondary or third or fourth or fifth. They're way far down on the list and they're so important to us. And we missed the number one command, the number two command that God gives us. He said, the te he said to the, uh, Jesus, he said, teacher, which is the most important commandment? And a second, Jesus said, is equally important.
uh, verse 39, he said, the second most important commandment is like this one, love others as much as you love yourself. And I want to throw this out. Jesus then makes a statement and says, all of the law and prophets depend. Says it in Matthew. All of the law and prophets depend on that. All of the law and prophets depend on that. Father God, help us, I pray in the name of Jesus. Because how could we do everything else and miss the most important things? Father, I pray your strength over this church. I pray, Almighty God, that you would teach us our rhythm to love people, to love people that are difficult to love, to love people that frustrate us. God, I pray for marriages in the room right now. I pray, pray that you would teach husbands and wives to love one another, even when it's not fun anymore, even when it's difficult, Father. I pray that you would teach us to love one another. I teach that you would, I pray God that you would teach us almighty God to love our neighbor as ourselves. We love you God, but teach us to love one another. Help us almighty God to love the people who walk in to this church every single week. Help us to find this rhythm almighty God. There it is. That's our rhythm. Just listen to that kick. That's our rhythm. People walk in. Maybe they don't look like us. They don't look like what we're accustomed to. They don't look like the people you grew up in church with. But we love them. This is who we are. This is what we do. This is how we operate. It's how we roll. Whoever God sends into our life. You, you, you hear that. You hear that that kick drum that is that's 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 a, a way for you to remember all week long tomorrow tomorrow morning when you wake up to go to work i want you to remember this 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 cadence this meter this this rhythm that god has given to us it's to love god it's to love others come on are you getting this today that that that, that broken person in your family come on this is our rhythm we're going to love them we're going to love them right where they are this is how we're going to support our pastors this is how we're going to honor them we're going to honor them by this this is why we give this is why we tithe this is why we sow this is why we work this is why we serve you hear it this is it right here this is our rhythm. This is constantly going in our hearts. This is constantly going. This is not something that we put on on Sunday mornings. This is how we live on Monday. This is how we live on Tuesday. This is how we live on Wednesday. This is what we're thinking about Thursday night before we go to bed. Are you getting it all over the room? Do you sense what I'm saying right now? This is our rhythm. And our rhythm is to love people, to love God, and to love people. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.